a fundamental question that it seems everyone keeps returning to, from philosophers to astrophysicists to primary school children, is, does God exist? Sven Erstring is a pastor and engineer who has spent decades of his life puzzling through this question and many more like it. And in this episode, he joins me in the studio in the hope that you, listening to this, might experience one of those light bulb moments. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. So, Sven, for quite a while, you lived in Western Australia. I in, did, yes. In Perth there, and you were working in the university sector as a, a chaplain and as an equal opportunity officer and any other roles? Yes. Yeah, so, my, my role at Curtin University in Western Australia was what they call the multi-faith officer role, which is a bit of a mouthful. Um, but effectively, it was the chaplaincy coordinator. So, I worked with all of the chaplains from all different faiths. So, we mm. had Catholics, Anglicans, we had Muslim chaplains, we had a Hindu, Buddhist, Seventh Adventist, Baha'i, mm. uh, just an amazing range of people. And my, my job was to be there their liaison officer, I think is the best way to describe it, uh, with the university to, to support their needs and, and particularly, of course, the needs of the students. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why we were there. Yeah. Um, and, and there was times where I needed to dialogue with the university about the opportunities and the needs that the students had in terms of exams, uh, sometimes graduation, things like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just a really amazing role. I, I developed a real appreciation for all of these different faiths in particular, um, Islam. I mm -hmm. uh, got to go to their musala um, and yeah, Ramadan. Yep. Musala is like their prayer room. Oh, okay. So, uh, so not not an actual formal mosque. No, but a, a prayer room. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so a mosque or a masjid is a, mm -hmm. is a fully fledged uh, mm -hmm. place of worship. A, a, a masala is a prayer room, which is it's more like a chapel mm -hmm. um, in in Christian kind of terms, where it's not maybe like to the full extent of a church, mm -hmm. but still a place where you can go for reflection to to listen to uh, the Quran being read. Yeah, it was an amazing experience over at Curtin University. Wow, there you go. So. That would have been an interesting environment to be in because the the tertiary sector in Australia um, or across the world really is famously secular um, and sometimes quite anti-religious in in some of the discussion that comes out of there. How did you find you know focusing on faith issues in that environment and and where did students fit into that mix and and that? Um, intersection. Yeah, certainly universities are, are proud of being secular. Mm -hmm. So, and that means that the university itself doesn't have any faith commitment. So, mm -hmm. uh, a state university is, is not Catholic or Anglican or, or any other um, particular kind of faith. Mm -hmm. But um, you, you do get people uh, like Richard Dawkins and, mm -hmm. and others like that who, who are very evangelistic, shall we say, mm -hmm. in their atheism, their secular worldview. But in, on the whole, what you find at universities is, is an openness um, to, to respect and to acknowledge that, that people do have different faiths and different faith choices as well. Mm. And um, so, um, while the, the, the university itself may not be pushing or, or defending a particular faith, 
they certainly welcome people of all different types of faith. And in, in many ways, that's quite a unique and, and fascinating environment to be in. Mm-hmm. Okay. In, do, do they welcome them in the in the academic discourse or do they just welcome them? Well, you can be a person of faith so long as you keep it to yourself privately and don't bring it into your you know, into your work. Yeah, certainly. It's it's a little bit more that sort of like, you know, we'll let you be in this environment, we'll let you study in this environment, but uh, don't push your views necessarily. There's a little bit of a kind of like, you know... Resistance. Resistance there. Exactly. That, mm. That's the word to use. But what I do find moving to the students, like what you were saying, mm. is that students at universities go to university with this idea that now is the time that I can explore all of the different worldviews. Mm. And, you know, for some people who might have grown up in a family of faith, mm-hmm. that can be a, a challenging idea for mm. the parents. But for the students, it's an opportunity to actually explore something new. Mm. And I feel that that's really valuable. It's a time where you can say, hey, look, do I, do I really believe in mm. the Bible, for example, or, or, or the Quran? Mm-hmm. And so, this openness, I think, is, is, a, is a unique opportunity that, that allows us to really understand who we are, mm. why we're here, and and maybe there is a God who really loves me and, and cares about me and, and mm. is thinking about my future. Well, I, w- I was going to ask about that because, of course, a lot of uh, students in Australia would have grown up in families that are, they might be nominally Christian, but really there hasn't been a lot of active faith I- in their home. Um, so they're, for all intents and purposes, agnostic. So are they also open when they come to university to perhaps look more deeply into issues of faith than perhaps their their parents did or, or they had previously? I think there's two kind of categories of students. And, and one would be a, a student who has gone to a uh, one of the mainstream Christian schools. Mm-hmm. so Catholic uh, or Anglican. Catholic or, or, or Anglican, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And what I have found is that often those students have tended to feel that they've had a taste of Christianity mm-hmm. and that they are not really convinced. They're not, not really... They've been um, inoculated against it, perhaps. But yes. <laughs> you, you, when you're vaccinated, you get sort of a, a weakened form of, of the actual virus or, or whatever, and you develop this resistance to it. Yes. And it's funny that you should say that because one of the chaplains at Curtin University said exactly that. Mm. Um, and, and he said that it, it in some ways can sort of uh, weaken your interest. Mm-hmm. But what I find for other students, often who've maybe gone to state schools or, or even have gone to a, a Catholic school, but they never really got involved in the, the Christian side of it. Mm-hmm. When they go to university, they're, they're really open to, to talk about the ideas. I mean, you know, if God exists, hey, that's that's really neat. That's mm-hmm. really, really cool. So, in many ways, I'd say the key is that the university allows an individual a pathway of exploration mm. and, and that is a really good process to mm. go through. Okay. Well, look, you've mentioned that pretty vital fundamental question, Sven, does God exist? And that is one that has, you know, exercised philosophers and scientists and all kinds of people for, what, decades, centuries, millennia, millennia. E- even. What are the different ways of, of approaching that question? I mean, I think I just mentioned philosophers and scientists, so that those are two ways. One, one way is to say, well, I just, 
I just believe it's it's a, a basic belief that I have, and um, you know I, I just work my life from that that principle kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, I never question it. It's just an underlying assumption. Underlying assumption kind of thing, and and you can certainly do that. Mm-hmm. I guess the the challenge is that um, with that type of approach, you say, well. You know, does that mean I could accept anything? Mm-hmm. And and Richard Dawkins has actually said, you know, uh, is Christianity like you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you you swallow really hard, and you believe six impossible things before breakfast, mm-hmm. um, and it, God exists as one of them, and mm-hmm. and it it kind of it it can be like a good foundation, but there's also this sense, well. What if, what if it was wrong? What if mm-hmm. one of those impossible beliefs was actually a fairy tale? Well, it's a and pretty important fundamental thing that perhaps we shouldn't be taking for granted, which is why I, I guess I'm asking, well, yeah. how do people, once they've decided, I'm not just going to take this for granted, how do they go about exploring it? Yes. And I think that's where we can come from a number of different uh, perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and say, well, okay, let's explore the evidence that we have mm-hmm. and push it to the, to the limit and find mm-hmm. out, well, does God actually exist? Now, it is very important to recognize that science itself does not make assumptions with regards to the existence of God. Mm-hmm. It actually, mm-hmm. it assumes that we can find natural laws that, that miracles haven't accorded, mm-hmm. occurred in that process. Mm-hmm. So, science itself is not committed in that process. But what we find in science can lead to observations which, you know, as a rational person, you can say, well, that points me towards mm-hmm. God. And I guess a couple of ones which are really valuable is, number one, that science has discovered that the universe had a beginning. Mm, now, this was mm. not always known. Greeks thought that the universe um, had existed for all eternity. Mm. Uh, ancient Greeks, you mean? Ancient Greeks, yes. <laughs> ancient Greeks, yes. Yeah. And, and so, the, it was a startling discovery to find that the universe had a beginning, mm-hmm. and this points to the fact that there's a cause for the universe. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, you go like, wow, what, what kind of cause could bring a whole universe into mm, existence? Mm. So, powerful cause, mm. a, a cause which is outside space and time, mm. um, a cause which has the power of choice to bring this particular universe into existence. Mm-hmm. And so, suddenly you come to this, this creator, uh, this, this cause for the universe, and, mm. and that's a good reason to believe in God. Now, there's another one looking at the universe, mm. which is what they call the fine-tuning of the universe. Mm-hmm. And cosmologists have discovered that there's a number of particular constants in, in the physical equations. For example, like the gravitational constant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the, the big G, and it's not too strong or too weak. It's, mm-hmm. it's just right on this finely tuned balance in terms of the value. Like Goldilocks breakfast. Exactly, exactly. And so, and, and the gravitational constant is not the only one. There's, there's a whole range of other ones. And what it, what it points us towards is that it points us to the reality that someone actually set up this universe, mm. finely tuned this it, universe. It suggests design. Yeah. Correct, correct. Mm. So, that's, that's a kind of neutral scientific discovery, mm-hmm. which then we as rational beings can go, well, that's leading me towards God. Mm. And you can do that from science. You can also do it from the perspective of philosophy. Mm. Uh, which is what you pretty much did in your article that appears in this month's Science of the Times. You yes. looked at the question, you know, who made God? And you looked at a few scientific perspectives about, about this. Yes. So, sorry, yeah, go, go on. Yes. And so, you can, you can look at it from a scientific perspective 
perspective, mm-hmm. the, the evidence, then you can also look at it from a philosophical perspective. Mm-hmm. So, you can actually study the very, very nature of, of reality mm-hmm. um, and the nature of God. And that's so another- it's, it's sort of working things through via a process of logic. Correct. You know, like asking questions like, why is there something here rather than nothing? Correct. Correct. Um, yeah. How is it that I am aware of my? I mean, this is like Rene Descartes. You know, I I think, therefore I am. You know, that that sort of stuff. I must exist because I can imagine myself. Yes. Something's going on in my head. Yes. Yeah. And and you ask the question, well, why why can I think? Why why would I trust my thought? processes. So, mm-hmm. it gets pretty deep, but it's really fun as well. Mm. And then there's the other alternative is that you could you could go to the Bible or, mm-hmm. or a, a religious book like that mm-hmm. and and search through and, and find out more about God mm. uh, from that source as well. And that's a legitimate way of doing it too. Well, well is it? Because I guess a lot of people would say, well, if you start with a book of fairy tales, of course, you're going to prove that a fairy tale is true. Um, how would you see starting with the Bible as a, a legitimate way for a contemporary 21st century person to even ask the question, you know, is there even a God or what sort of God is he or she or it? Well, you have to dig deeper into, uh, take the Bible, for example. Mm-hmm. So, you have to say, well, if it's a fairy tale, mm-hmm. then it would have no connection with reality, in particular, mm-hmm. the reality of the past. Mm-hmm. But what we do, do find is that when we go to the Bible and start to compare it with history, mm-hmm. in particularly archaeology, mm-hmm. we find that there's literally thousands of points at which it is confirmed. So, mm-hmm. our confidence, our trust in the Bible builds. Okay, I but see there, what you're saying. But there's another area as well, which is the whole area of prophecy, which is a fascinating one too. It's, it's great for, you know, people who are really rational mm-hmm. because what but you- Bible prophecy you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you find that about a quarter of the Bible mm-hmm. is uh, prophecy about the the future, and that mm-hmm. gives you a very analytical way of determining is this actually true. Because you look at the prophecy, you compare what's happened, and say, well, do they actually match? So that's mm-hmm. another way of doing. It. Then there's a there's another approach to exploring the reality of God, and that is the experiential mm-hmm. aspect as well. So, can I experience uh, the presence? and the power of God in, in my life as well. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question because, you know, you hear people say, oh, look, this is, you know, the postmodern era and people don't care about rationalism and what experts say anymore. It's all about, you know, my truth is as good as your truth and I'll just, you know, form my own eclectic belief based on the things that I pick up and the things that appeal to me. Is experience, you know, or your instinct or like really a, a good guide to answer questions like this? Or, or on the other hand, should we just forget about rationality and, and go with our gut? I think experience is a very valuable way of, of determining what is real and, and what exists. Mm. Um, so, you know, the whole postmodern kind of approach to understanding truth is, is very, um, it's, it's actually reasonable in terms of, you know, if you want to find out if you enjoy Thai food, mm-hmm. um, well, instead of just reading about it in, in the books, go mm-hmm. and find out for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that is actually a scientific approach mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the, 
the people back in the ancient Greek time, Plato said, well, we can just think through ideas, you know, how many teeth that are in a horse's mouth and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas Aristotle came along and said, well, let's go out and find out for ourselves, experience it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say, yeah, I definitely uh, try out what, what God is like, what he can do in your life. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very valuable thing um, to do. Now, that's not putting aside rationality. It's not putting aside reason, mm-hmm. but it's, it's making it personal, mm-hmm. making it, um, trying it out for, for yourself. And I think that's a very valuable thing. So, for me, I'm the person where I say, well, let's not limit our options. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's, let's explore the philosophy. Let's explore the science. Let's have, take a look at the Bible too, mm. um, or even the Quran. Yep. Um, and then, then experience a reality of God for ourselves as well. Okay. And you sort of did that in, in your article that you wrote for us in, in Signs of the Times, looking at who made God. It's a, a tricky question and one that a number of people have looked at. And you did look at it from a philosophical point of view and also from a biblical point of view. And you told a really cute story about your son there too, but I'll, our readers will, will have to check that out. But what what is the fundamental problem that people come across thinking about God where they feel like this question, who made God, is somewhat of a zinger, a, a, a bit of bit of a trump card. A, a bit, yes. it, it can sort of stump you. What what is it about that question that gets people, like grabs people? Well, because of course, people of faith, mm-hmm. you know, Christians or Muslims or Jews or or another faith, um, will say to to a skeptic or a secular person, well. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the key things is that God made the universe. He mm-hmm. He was somehow involved in in creating life, mm-hmm. and um, so it's this idea that well, there's that design argument that you were mm-hmm. talking about before. But then, you know, if you go around and you say, well, who who created the planets and the the universe, and mm-hmm. and your answer is God. Mm-hmm. Well, then if you if you keep thinking that through, and then you say, well, hang on a minute. Well, who made God? Mm, and so, because everything we know, everything we see around us has a beginning. Yes, there's some instigation. There's some cause. Yes, and so the the concept there is really that if you always have the answer, well, God made this, God made that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um, the the challenge that the question who made God is really saying is, well, why don't you explore deeper? What if what if God is not the ultimate kind of cause of reality? Mm-hmm. What if what if there's somebody behind God mm-hmm. um, and what would that mean? And of course, for Richard Dawkins mm-hmm. in his book, The God Delusion, he sees that as the central issue. You know, mm-hmm. well, uh, okay, well, God designed life, God designed the universe. Well, who designed the designer mm-hmm. um, thing? And and for him, he says, well, that introduces a logical problem mm-hmm. because if you allow God to be the designer, then you need the designer for the designer and you end with this infinite series of designers that goes mm-hmm. back forever. And well, that's just too hard. It's it's logically impossible. So, mm-hmm. let's just ignore the whole question of who was the designer. Mm. I've got to say, when, when I hear that question, my, my initial reaction is, okay, well, as you said, science has shown us that the universe, you know, began somewhere. The big Big Bang is a fairly popular theory. I understand it's been debunked or questioned in various ways, but let's go with the Big Bang for now. So, what caused the Big Bang? Yes, you know, exactly. What, you know, what, what caused that, that singularity, you know, to exist that then expanded to form the universe that we have today? For me, it seems like logically you end up 
with the same trouble. Like, what was before that? What was before that? What caused that? What caused that? And what caused that? And what caused that? Yeah, yeah. And of course, the, the question of what caused the, the Big Bang or caused mm-hmm. the universe to exist is a very scientific question. Mm-hmm. You know, we would, we would ask, well, what caused our, our genome to exist? What, mm-hmm. what caused, you know, the, the baby to exist? You know, mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing. So, it's a very scientific kind of question. How we can resolve this question is this is that effectively, imagine you've got a, a series of dominoes standing mm-hmm. up. I'm not sure if you've ever played that game. Love it, yeah. Uh, but you've got those dominoes, you line them all up, you go all around the living room as far as you can. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the goal is to watch them, you know, you, you kick off the first one and mm-hmm. then you ho- watch them collapse. And of course, if, if one fails, then it's, you know, it's a bit disappointing. But if it all goes, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the, the challenge is this, is that in that line of dominoes standing up waiting to fall, mm. they, you have to have another domino behind it to mm-hmm. make it to fall. Mm-hmm. But logically, if the, if the line of dominoes goes back to infinity, if they're mm-hmm. all waiting for another domino to fall, mm-hmm. then none of them would fall. Mm. So, Even if they're in a circle, like the, there still has to be some yes. motive for somewhere that kicks, yes. intercepts the circle at some point, interrupts it and Correct. kicks off the sequence. Correct. Yeah. So, somewhere you have to have an end point where somebody kicks off that line of dominoes, they start falling mm. and you watch it go. And furthermore, all the dominoes have to be lined up in a row in a way such that they will hit one another. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. So, the, the point is this, is that there, there must be a person like yourself mm-hmm. playing the game mm-hmm. who, who causes the game to start. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, the game would never get going. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the same with God. Mm-hmm. So, we've got all of these things around us that we can see, well, hey, they're all, they depend on something else in terms of to be caused, mm-hmm. but we have to arrive back, as Aristotle said, to an uncaused cause, the mm-hmm. unmoved mover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that leads us to, to God himself. And mm-hmm. so, Mm. In response to Richard Dawkins, logically, mm. we have to arrive at, su- uh, at someone who is the, the cause of the universe, who didn't have a designer, who wasn't mm. made, mm. and that is God himself. Okay. Well, Sven, you, you're obviously a, you know, a very in- intelligent guy, you know, PhD, yada, yada, yada. You can explain this to me. It makes sense from you. But you're saying you believe in the Bible. Does the Bible take that intellectual approach to tell us that God is an uncaused cause and things like that? Like, is it even consistent with what you're saying or, or are you just making this up because you're a super smart guy? No, absolutely. And this is the amazing thing is that many mm. people think, oh, well, the Hebrews were living in the Bronze Age and, mm. and they, they wrote fairy tales about shepherds mm. and simple angels, farmers. simple mm. farmers, you mm. know, hunter-gatherers kind of thing. But the amazing thing is this, when we go to the Bible, we find that these deep philosophical, logical truths are actually there because mm. in the Bible in Isaiah, God actually says mm. um, through through the prophet Isaiah, he says, I am God. There mm. is no God before me. There's go- going to be no God after me as well. Mm-hmm. And so, so the, the Bible gets in- it right. The idea of infinity is sort of there. Yeah. Yes. Nothing yes. before me, nothing after me. That's right. From everlasting to everlasting, I think the old school like KJV yes. version puts it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, in response to that simple question, who made God? Mm. There's a, there's a simple answer. Mm-hmm. No one made God. He, he is simply an uncaused um, cause. He's an mm. uncaused being. Mm. And that's what makes him God. Mm-hmm. And I think you raise a really interesting um, point in, in your article where you say, well, we can't call God 
the supreme being if something else created him. That's correct. Because then that thing that created God would be more supreme than he is, which that's not supreme anymore. Supreme, the definition of supreme is over everything and more powerful than everything. Anyone. Yeah. Yes. And and that's the, the incredible thing is that the God is is different from us, us in so many different ways. Mm. So for example, you know, you have a mum and dad. Mm. Um, there was if we roll back the uh, the the film of time, the 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 movie reel, so to speak, mm-hmm. there'd be a point which you didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for God, he has always existed. He's mm-hmm. uncaused. And and he's not only uncaused. He's all powerful. Mm. Um, he he knows everything, everything that's true. He's also morally perfect, mm-hmm. and and he's all loving as well. Mm. And mm. and when you think about a God like that, you think to yourself, I wonder if that God would actually want to get to know me. Mm-hmm. And and that's the beautiful message of the Bible, is that that the God the creator of the universe who had no beginning, mm. has no end, no cause, actually wants to get to know you personally. So much so that he would he would come into this world in the person of Jesus. And that just that just blows me away. Wow. Wow. Well, look, uh, listener, if you're interested to, to know more about this, um, please do check out uh, the June edition of Signs of the Times. Uh, Sven's article is there, Who Made God? Um, but just in the few minutes before we finish, Sven, I'd like to talk about a, a project you're currently involved in, which is a, a video series um, called I Am. And again, this is aimed at the, I guess, the similar age group that you've been involved with, you know, for quite a number of years, and that is the, the young adult. So tell us about that. Yeah, so so we recognise, just as I mentioned earlier in the interview, that um, that young people are open to to explore um, spirituality mm-hmm. um, if it makes a difference in their lives and mm. the, the lives of their friends. Mm. And so we wanted to take that and and give an opportunity for you if you're a young person um, with a group of friends to mm-hmm. explore. Uh, what faith is really like if 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 God does exist mm. and and the teachings of of Jesus as well mm. and so we we 've been working really hard with the Adventist media uh, team here to produce a a series of videos um, they 're about fifteen to twenty minutes long so they 're not too long mm-hmm. um, but what you what you do is you you grab the videos from from Vimeo. Um, download it from the internet. Um, we've got a participant's guide, a, a really well-designed little mm-hmm. book. And as a group, you can just journey together. Mm. Now, we, we're doing a pilot study of that at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, but it's going to be rolled out all around Australia and New Zealand. Okay, all right. Now, the, and the, the video series, I mean, the way you describe it makes it sound like it's a bunch of people, you know, sitting in a room talking through philosophical issues. But um, from what I've seen of the trailer and things like that, it's a lot of it's outdoors and there's like abseiling and surfing and, you know, do it. Uh, sort of active and outdoors and fresh. And yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really on location. So mm. just like you said, um, so it's it's not just a a kind of talking head kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And and it really gets deep. It, it goes to personal issues. You know, people um, exploring the, the heights of their professions, for example. Mm. And does that really make them happy? Mm. Or is there more to life? Mm. So, um, so when you've set all these goals in your life, you've achieved them all one by one, and you get to the end of it. And you think, well, heck, I'm only 32 now, and uh, 
<laughs> what next? That was all I was hoping for. I've now done it. Yes. It's all feeling a bit meaningless. Or, or what if you, what if you got, got caught up with a drug cartel mm. um, in, in, a, in a country and, and you, you became one of the top dealers mm. um, making a million dollars a year? Mm. Can, can God actually make a difference in your life? Wow. Um, and so that's what the, that's what the series is about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's open for people to use and to explore, to journey with, with friends through this. And, and mm-hmm. if you want to join a group, you can definitely do that. We'll, we'll have locations and, and, mm-hmm. um, and, or you can just form your own group and, and mm-hmm. go through it together. Okay. Have you got a website set up for that? Yes. Yes. We've, uh, we're just about to, to launch it. It's, it's mm-hmm. pretty much all there. I am.org.au. Okay. Org.au, so that's just I A M. That's correct. Org.au. Yes. Well, that sounds great. And and uh, right at the moment, you can see the trailer on that, and then mm-hmm. we're going to be um, kicking off with an online shop and all of the videos and and a bit of background about the three presenters, uh, and yeah, just find out whatever you want to about the series. Oh, that's great. Hey, thanks very much, Sven. I really appreciate you coming into the studio to to tell us about that, and also for writing the article for us. Would love to have you back in again, and would love to see you, um, yeah, writing more articles in Science of the Times in the future. Sounds great. Look forward to it, Kent. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.